It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of different podcasts. Obviously, we're having a huge week with all the different podcasts as we are now officially one week away from pretty much every NFL team having their first on-field practice. Very exciting times here in the football world and the fantasy football world. Certainly check out the other shows, Ross Tucker Podcast, Even Money for Betting, the College Draft Podcast, as this week we broke down the top players in the ACC, the top 10 prospects in the ACC. And of course, Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports podcast. Really excited, by the way, about today's guest. He was on the show a year ago. Dave Richard from CBS Sports does such an awesome, awesome job. Get to Dave momentarily, but I'm not going to wait till the end of today's episode to tell you who the three final contestants are for the best ball. We're doing a best ball. We're actually doing two best ball drafts and one season long. We're presented by DraftKings. That's who we're doing the best ball draft with. The final three contestants. Now, remember, we're going to do another one in August. So you can start to send in your entries to be part of the August best ball because we're going to start to announce that those contestants starting next week. So take advantage of any of our sponsors, send it to me, and we'll go from there. But Today's best ball contestants, Jason Pierce, who just went crazy, Patreon, Warby Parker, Keeps, Jason Pierce just wanted it more than everybody else, Kevin Dobes doing the Warby Parker home try-on, and Jeannie Notch. Jeannie sent me her Fantasy Points subscription, and I said that last because it's a terrific segue to the co-host of this show, The one and only Joe Dolan, who you can and should follow on social media at FG underscore Dolan because he is a fantasy gangster. And you should go to his website like now, fantasypoints.com. Use the code 21FEAST and win. It's not hard. Now is the time. If you didn't already, fantasypoints.com. 21FEAST is the code for a discount. And then just start to consume all their content and win. It's that easy. Hello, Joe. Hi, Ross. What's going on? It's been uh, it's been a, a good long week since we last chatted. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Good good to be with Dave. Uh, Dave and I are this week. We're uh, we're both celebrating, Ross. I guess uh, uh, Dave and Dave reminded me that he and I share a birthday, and that will be uh, July twenty fourth. Um, uh, Dave, we are, we are, uh, two of the most famous people to be born on July 24th, just ahead of Jennifer Lopez and, and Barry Bonds. So it's a good birthday though. It's a great birthday. Sure. Joe Mixon. You reminded me of Joe Mixon. Yeah. Uh, his birthday is also seven twenty four. So, uh, yeah, it's good. So pleasure to be on with you, young Joe, and a pleasure to be on with you, Ross. Thank you for so, having me. Is it fair to say July 24th? is the biggest day in fantasy football history. Do you think it's fair, considering you guys, you're two of the top 10 analysts on the planet, and you were both born the same day. 
Do we think it's fair to call July 24th the birth of fantasy football? Oh, I wish I could take credit for that, Ross. Yeah. No, no. We got a lot of work to do. We got the, a lot the of work biggest to do day in fantasy football will be like uh, two weeks or a week before the 2021 season when all those work leagues are back in action this year. Mm. And, you know, it, it, like every year the fantasy industry grows. But I think last year a lot of those work leagues, you know, not only was nobody in the office, but I even think people who might have been in the office or were still telecommuting and, and and having meetings with their coworkers, you know, hey, are we going to do that that league where we put up 50 bucks and, you know, we have office bragging rights? And, you know, people are in August. You're like, man, look at what we're doing right now. How is the NFL going to have a season? I think a lot of those leagues just kind of lapsed last year. Um I'm, I'm hoping everybody gets back in the saddle this year. I guarantee you the biggest day in the history of fantasy football is going to be some Saturday in late August of 2020. We're like 2021 rather. We're six, seven weeks away from that. I, I think Dave knows it too. Like I, I think like everybody's going to get palpably excited not to go off on too much of a tangent when they see preseason football and you're like, Oh crap. I know the NFL played last year, but I didn't play fantasy. I'm, I'm going to play fantasy this year. Let me get my buddies on the horn. I think it's going to be a big, big month of August for that. Well, let's get right into it. Dave, we've been doing this for a month straight. We bring in studs like you, and we ask who you're higher on, who you're lower than on uh, in terms of current ADP, because we want our listeners to win. And we want them – they know the debatable guys. They know the guys that people have opinions on. They can ultimately decide. One of the guys that you're higher on than most that jumped out to me, because I think we've had other guests that felt the same way, but I didn't actually get to get to him. So I want to make sure I get to him today. Robbie Anderson, mm. Panthers wide receiver. Why are you higher on Robbie? Is it the whole Sam Darnold connection? Uh, that's a small part of it. Um, honestly, I, I love the way that he fit into that offense last year and the opportunity that he got. It was completely different than the opportunity that he had when he was with the Jets. Um, got a ton of targets as the number two receiver. In some weeks, he was the number one receiver in that offense, and DJ Moore was the one that wasn't getting quite as, as many looks. I, I, I think that the Panthers believe that Darnold is an upgrade over Bridgewater. That's good enough for me. I'm not saying he's going to be – you know, like Bridgewater is a tier five quarterback and Darnold is a tier three quarterback. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying that if they think that Sam Darnold is a little bit better, then that should mean better overall numbers and at least better overall efficiency for all the pass catchers here. And don't get me wrong. I love drafting Robbie Anderson, where his ADP is and, and NFSC, it's 80th overall from June 1st till now. I think he's good to go at least 10 picks before that. I don't mind taking him in late round six in PPR formats. That's important. And, and I think that he can be a consistent stat producer for fantasy teams again in 2021 compared to his previous years when he was so up and down where it was like three weeks, four weeks where he'd get you seven, five, six, 21, four, two. You know what I mean? Like he was just – he was too much of a roller coaster. Now he's going to be more consistent. The perfect type of number three receiver to have on your squad. So the the one point I'll make here, Dave, since we talk about best ball a lot, because A, I'm a DraftKings guy, and B, I'm a best ball guy. Joe, as God is my witness, will tell you, Dave, mm -hmm. 
I am pretty sure I took Robbie Anderson in every best ball draft Joe and I did last year. And I loved Robbie Anderson. And honestly, I just thought he would score points for me three or four weeks. I, you know, I didn't think he would end up being what he was. But you got to admit, Joe, I was all over Robbie Anderson last year. Yeah, and Ross, I was not. And and here's the reason. And, well, let's be fair to me. And first and foremost, give you all the credit in the world for that call. But I saw somebody who, uh, in his last season with Sam Darnold, uh, had an average depth of target of 14.6 yards. And I thought that was a miserable fit with Teddy Bridgewater. Turns out. They flipped the script on its head. They at, Robbie Anderson was running shallow crosses. His average depth of target with Teddy Bridgewater was 9.7 yards, much more in line with Teddy Bridgewater. But this br- brings up um, another debate. You know, Dave brings up the Sam Darnold debate. And I got to tell like, do I think Sam Darnold is more talented than Teddy Bridgewater? Absolutely, 100%, lock it in, not even close. Do I know for a fact that the Carolina Panthers could not wait to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater? Yes, 100%. Mr. Short of the Sticks. I mean, that is, they could not wait to get Teddy Bridgewater out of town and bring in somebody with some upside. But I can't shake the feeling from my perspective when I'm, when I'm looking at facts that there has been no reason right now to think, based on their career so far, that Sam Darnold's a better player than Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't love Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't think there's any evidence right now for our game that said Sam Darnold is better than Teddy. Now, we have to factor in the Adam Gase tax. I mean, this is why Carolina, to me, is one of the most fascinating and frustrating teams to talk about. Because, like, there is no evidence that Darnold's good. I mean, he flashes. I know he's got some talent. But, I mean, he's been a turnover machine since he, uh, since he was at USC. He's been a turnover machine with the Jets. How much is, is, is that Tiger going to change its stripes? Uh, that being said, is Robbie Anderson's role going to be the same? Because the coaches are the same. DJ Moore's still there. DJ Moore was the guy who was the deep threat in Carolina last year. Again, flipped on its head. We, we were drafting DJ Moore on the presupposition that he was going to be the short, shallow to intermediate guy that he was in the previous regime. That got flipped on its head. He's now going, by the way, DJ Moore. We're talking like three, four rounds ahead of Robbie Anderson. So I've been a little wary on DJ Moore at cost. I got to admit, I don't have a ton of Robbie Anderson right now either, only because I don't know how to answer the Darnold problem. But if you want to put a feather in the cap, it's Joe Brady and how he unlocked Robbie Anderson last year in a way that I had not foreseen. I'm absolutely entertaining the possibility that I have a blind spot for Robbie Anderson right now. And Carolina, with their machinations this offseason, bringing in Darnold, it's making it harder for me to see the forest through the trees. Let's get somebody else you're higher on, uh, Dave. Uh, I think these are interesting. I'm glad you sent me this list. Uh, Chase Claypool, I find interesting that you're higher on Chase Claypool than the consensus appears to be. Why, Dave? I think that he is, is the type of receiver that the Steelers can scheme up. Whereas Juju, Juju will talk about, like, I'm going to line up everywhere, don't worry. I, I think that he's a volume receiver, plain and simple. I don't think that he's necessarily special Certainly not consistently enough after the catch. Deontay Johnson 
is more special than Juju, if you ask me. I just wish he would hold on to the football a little bit more often, and you can't deny the volume that he gets. But Claypool, they can manufacture targets for a deep in the red zone, near the goal line, on screens, on slants. I, I think that he's a huge mismatch problem for defenses, and he's going into his second year. And in this offense, I, I know that they're going to Matt Canada, and they're going to say they're going to run a lot more, and there's going to be a ton of pre-snap motion so that Roethlisberger can get a read on the defenses. I think it's still going to be a lot of what it was last year. I think there's going to be a lot of short passing because that offensive line, I don't know how you have that line rated, Ross, but it's got to be in the bottom five, if not the bottom one. It's really uh, – it, it's an eyesore. I think Claypool can can overcome and be a good intermediate area target for Roethlisberger to hit. I think he can make plays after the catch, and I love his size in the red zone. So I think he can actually take a small step forward in terms of yardage, in terms of catch rate, and be a better receiver in his second year, and hopefully come close to the total amount of touchdowns that he had in 2020. Joe? One of the reasons I haven't had a lot of Robbie Anderson this year uh, is because I have a lot of Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has been my most drafted wide receiver three this year. You know, I'm looking at his ADP fluctuating. I'm looking at NFFC and Best Ball 10s data. He and Juju Smith-Schuster are basically uh, interchangeable in terms of ADP. I'm looking right now at Juju as wide receiver 29 over the last three weeks and Claypool as wide receiver 30. That could change if you just change the parameters and that number could change, you know? So sometimes they're going before each other, after each other. But when I'm drafting best ball, and again, that's what I've been doing so far this year. So everything's kind of filtered through that lens. Claypool is the kind of guy I target for best ball. We saw the spike games. We saw how much better Pittsburgh was when Chase Claypool was on the field. And now, if I remember, I'm going to look up the game last year. Um, and it was the game they were – the Steelers were, like, getting getting blown out at halftime. And I remember literally tweeting during the game on Sunday. And I was saying to myself, wait a minute. Do the Steelers remember that Chase Claypool exists? Uh, I think it was a game um, – It might have been uh, against the – I don't know if they were getting blown out, but it was against, like, the Jaguars or the Ravens, one of the last two games that they actually won during the season. And I just remember them not using Chase Claypool at all. And then they brought him out in the second half, and he started making plays. And that's when I was like, all right, this guy is something different. He gives them something a little bit more in the offense. Now, the big question people are going to have and say, well, I'm out on Claypool because Ben Roethlisberger's arm. And – I don't know if I can argue against that, but right now I've seen him be somebody who has been the cheapest of of Pittsburgh's three receivers, Um, and I'm going to be willing to invest in those spike games. So the reason I don't have a lot of Robbie Anderson at this stage is because I do have a lot of Chase Claypool, Ross. Um, That's just a player where I'm investing in the cheapest of these receivers. Not to say I don't like Deontay Johnson, because I do, but I am investing in these receivers uh, from this perspective. Um, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have continue to have a lot of Chase Claypool because he is very affordable. Do you not? Do you guys know what these are right here that I'm showing on the screen? I don't uh, know the brand. They're, 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 Ross, they, wait a minute. Are those Crocs? They are Crocs, but I wear these like out – at night, these are like, people don't realize how many sweet shoes Crocs have these days. It's time to put on your favorite pair of Crocs and channel your inner fortune teller because your prediction might just make you $10,000 richer. How about this? 
Visit Crocs.com. Take your pick of wildly comfortable, lightweight clogs. Have them. Sandals. Have them. Slides. Have them. You can personalize them with gibbets charms. Take your pick of styles that are straight fire and make your feet feel like 10,000 bucks. Speaking of that, by the way, this is how it ties in. The Crocs Hoop Draft Prediction Challenge to the NBA Draft, which is a week from now, is coming. And dare we say free to play on DraftKings.com. This is like all my worlds coming together. You know, picking, uh, like sort of, sort of betting on a draft, Crocs, DraftKings, this is amazing. Make all the right picks, and a slice of 10 Gs could be yours. Just enter the game page on draft day and see just how well your pick predictions hold up to the real ones. At the end of the draft, winners will be paid out cold, hard cash based on how many you guessed right. Visit DraftKings.com slash Crocs on Thursday, July 29th to make your basketball draft predictions. We hope your future is full of comfort and possibly full of money. Learn more at DraftKings.com slash Crocs. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Dave, let's get to some guys that you are lower on than others. Um, And, in fact, this is interesting. You're higher on Michael Carter, North Carolina running back with the Jets. Mm -hmm. You're lower on Javante Williams, North Carolina running back, not with the Jets. Explain yourself. I just think that taking Javante Williams in round five is a bit of a stretch. And it, if you're asking me to compare him to Melvin Gordon, to me, there's no comparison. I'd much rather have the younger running back there. But the Broncos have kind of said it multiple times this offseason. They want to move toward a multi-back approach. So even when they realize that Melvin Gordon is old as dirt and doesn't move like he used to and isn't as consistent as he used to, Williams might be the primary back there, but they also added Mike Boone. Boone knows the offense in Denver. I think the offensive line will be okay, but I I also – I'm not sold on that offense being so run-heavy game after game. I think Williams is worth a pick about 10 picks later. I think he's fine in round six if you're willing to just kind of wait it out because if Melvin starts the season with the Broncos, he's going to be the main back. Williams will be the guy behind him. I know he's the better pass blocker compared to Melvin Gordon, but I don't know if the Broncos are going to see it that way. And if he's not playing in passing situations, that means he's not getting a lot of targets and he'll be splitting the rushing downs with somebody. So you almost have to be patient when you take Javante Williams. And when I'm in round five of my drafts, Ross, I want players that I know I can start now. And I don't think I can do that with Javante Williams. So I'm going to let other people take him. I love the talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to let other people take him but I'm not going to get him when it costs me a late round five pick. Joe? I'm looking at ADP right now, um, and here are the players going around Javante Williams. Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Javante Williams. This is 50-51-52 NFFC. Adam Thielen, 53. Tyler Lockett, 54. Uh, Kyle Pitts, 50. That's an ent- Kyle Pitts is an entirely other argument. But right. if, if I'm looking at Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, and Adam Thielen, Straight up. I mean, I want all those guys 10 times out of 10 over Javante Williams on my fantasy team. That being said, the one thing that I have been coming back to when it comes to Javante Williams, and I totally agree with everything Dave said, I think Javante Williams is going to take this job, but Melvin Gordon catches the football. They trust him in pass pro. 
Um, I don't think Melvin Gordon's going away. I mean, he's going away after this year. He's on the final year of his contract. They're going to get rid of him. Javante Williams is more of a 2022 guy. But I will say this. Just keep this in mind because we saw what happened at the end of last season. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. These guys down the stretch were legitimate league winners after getting off to slow starts as rookies. And, you know, I think you can attribute the slow start to the offseason and all that stuff. Um, the COVID and all, all that, you know, does Javante Williams and some of these rookies be able to come in and step in right away? Another question. But just keep in mind that fantasy players, especially young guys, maybe guys who come on after six weeks, seven weeks, they have one extra week to make an impact if they are late bloomers this year. And I don't want to overestimate that, but I don't want to say it's nothing either. Because, you know, imagine having Jonathan Taylor at the end of last year or Cam Akers at the end of last year when they're ranking as top five running backs. And imagine your Super Bowl is pushed back one week. You know, that's one more week to ramp up your and get you into the postseason. From Dave's perspective, if I'm drafting somebody in the fifth round of a redraft league where I have to make a start decision early, yeah, I don't think Javante Williams is going to be somebody, barring a huge week one, which isn't out of the question, he's not going to be somebody I'm comfortable putting in my lineup in, in week one. And I totally agree with that. I, I'm taking Deontay, I'm taking Cup, I'm taking Thielen, those guys that I had listed beforehand. But in best ball formats, and, and I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't have much Javante Williams at all, but in best ball formats... Just keep in mind that when those roster decisions are being made for you based on the output of the week, I think Javante Williams, somebody like him, somebody like Travis Etienne, when they start finding their footing this year, they're going to have a wider window to make an impact. So that's why I'm more willing to sign off on those picks in a best ball form. The other thing I can point out is that there's more than one way to get Javante Williams. You don't have to do it on draft. I mean, you're doing best But in a redraft league. In a redraft league, let somebody take him in round five. By week three, they'll be kicking themselves for it. Trade for him. Because I agree with you, Joe. I think that Williams will have his time, and it'll be the impatient fantasy manager that'll say, all right, you're going to have Javante Williams. Give me somebody off your team. You make a deal, and you've got Williams on your squad for the second half of the season. You'll be more patient with him when you Mm -hmm. trade for him. There were people in the leagues that I was in last year, they dropped. They straight up dropped Cam Akers. They were cutting Jonathan Taylor, I picked those guys up in a couple of leagues last season, and I made the playoffs, and I made a pretty good run every single time. So you want to go ahead. I I don't think they're going to cut Javante Williams, but you can trade for him before they do, and it'll cost you a lot less than a fifth-round pick. That's a really good point, Dave, about Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers last year. Really good point. Um, Another running back that you're a decent amount lower on than other people are, Josh Jacobs. Is this – primarily O-line driven, or is there more to it than that, Dave? There's a lot to it. The O-line is just the start. It changed. You know that it's got three new starters on it. I don't know how I feel about those guys compared to who they had. And they added Kenyon Drake, and they gave Drake a lot of cash, and then they talked of Drake's ability to be a good pass catcher when he really wasn't that prolific of a pass catcher when he was with the Cardinals. He was with Miami. I, I, I think that Drake is a bet for the Raiders against Jacobs because they're worried about Jacobs not being able to stay healthy. And I'll give you one other nugget that I noticed. Last season in short yardage down, so downs of three yards or closer, Jacobs was five of 16. That's that's at the goal line. He only scored five. He only converted five of those. It was eight of 19 for Kenyon Drake. Noticeably better. He was better in short yardage. Maybe some of that had to do with Kyle Murray being there and opening up some lanes for Drake. But I think something also has to be said for the physicality of the position. 
And if Jacobs isn't catching a lot of passes and he's averaged around like two targets over the course of his career per game, and if he's not getting all the goal line work, I'm not saying missing it all. If he's not getting some of it, what's his value? And he's he's been inconsistent for fantasy managers, two up and down over the course of his career. So I, I see the draft capital will take to get Jacobs. And I know it sounds crazy because he's a third-year running back, but I don't see it. I don't see him doing as well as he did last year. I don't think he'll have those high-value opportunities because of Kenyon Drake. As silly as that sounds, but this is the Raiders that we're talking about. I don't think he'll get there because Drake is going to start blocking him. Yeah, and and Ross, you and I have talked about this on the program. Um, and as somebody who loved Josh Jacobs, and I love him coming out of the uh, out, out of Alabama, and one of the reasons I loved him coming out of Alabama was his ability to catch the football. And I thought, man, does this uh, does this uh, really just end up being a perfect fit for the modern NFL bell cow running back? And you know, you look at it, and then you see that the Raiders just haven't used him in that regard in his career. I mean, Ross, I continually go to stathead.com and make sure that I am doing my search correctly because this is something that is so unbelievable that you have to actually see it on a stat page to believe it. In Josh Jacobs' NFL career, he has one target on third down. One in his career. And I I just did the search. That's why I was kind of delaying there because I was doing the search again on stathead.com to make sure that I had it right. He has one target on third down in his career. It was this season in 2020. Uh, It was on November 15th. It was a completion for no game. So Josh Jacobs has zero, zero receiving yards on third down in his career. It is mind-blowing to me. Why would you take a running back in the first round and then not really use him in the passing game? Ross, I don't get it. It's the Raiders. And I mean, there has to be something they don't like about Jacobs in that role. There has to be something they don't like. They signed Drake to do it. Jalen Richard and Devontae Booker are scrubs. They're getting that role. There's something they don't like. I mean, I... I, I don't know what it is. Jacobs is still a fourth-round pick. It's not the worst pick in the world. But, you know, we talked last week with Jason Moore about somebody like Chase. I'd rather have Chase Edmonds, and I know people are down on him now. I'd rather have him in the sixth round than Jacobs in the fourth. Like, I mean, I, I, I've taken a lot of Kenyon Drake in best ball. Not that I feel great about him either because I don't know what the Raiders are doing. But, I mean, Josh Jacobs, who was a good receiver in college, has a single target on third down in his NFL career. I, that is not thing? the kind of running back I want. Let me just say one thing. Didn't Kenyon Drake come out recently and talk junk on Kingsbury, who got him paid not once but twice, got him the transition tag, yeah. and then helped him get the Raiders? Like, and he's complaining about Kingsbury, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Kingsbury guy. But it's like Kenyon Drake. What what are we talking about here, bro? Yeah, I mean his receiving role last year in Arizona was weird. I, I don't think any of us because he was so good in that role in 2019 after they traded for him. I don't really get that. I I don't know what's the, but the Jacobs thing just blows my mind, Ross. It just utterly blows my mind. And Dave, the cherry the on last top. One, the cherry on top. If it, let's just say that it, you get him in round five, week one he's against the Ravens. Week two he's against the Steelers. Good luck. At the beginning of the year with Josh I'm, Jacobs at running back for I, your fantasy team. I will say this, though, looking at Josh Jacobs' numbers, Dave, just looking at his overall production, 
He sure. has a lot more production than I thought. The way right. we, based based on the way we talk about Jacobs, and I think it's because of spike games. But he's got twenty two hundred rushing yards and nineteen rushing touchdowns in his career. Like, I mean, for two seasons, that's pretty damn good. It's just the 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 role has been so inconsistent that I think he's driven us nuts. Check him out on social media at Dave Richard. He even has his email address there, so you can tell him uh, how much you love the Miami and Dallas Cowboys helmets he has on in his background. For those of you that check us out at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, he's a stud over at cbssports.com. Dave, thank you so much as always, man. That was awesome. Happy to talk fantasy with you guys anytime. Back-to-back awesome episodes next week. We will have a legend on the show, and NFL training camps are here. Like We'll be getting real injury information, well, kind of, but we'll also be getting real reports starting next week, and we'll start to get new entrants for the August best ball draft. So hit us up. We love it. We need it. Ross at RossTucker.com after you buy, do the Crocs thing at DraftKings or whatever you do. Send it to me, and you'll have a great chance to go against Joe and I in the August DraftKings Best Ball Draft. And, of course, get your subscription, fantasypoints.com. Use the code 21FEAST. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 